Straight out of Finland, this is the Reluctant Theologian Podcast. I am your host, Dr. R.T. Mullins from the University of Helsinki. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you more about the course that I'm creating for the University of Lucerne's new master's program in philosophy, theology, and religion. My course is called God, Freedom, and Evil. I'll explain some of the questions that we're going to be examining, some different theodicies that we're going to explore. I'm also going to briefly tackle Graham Oppie's new logical problem of evil. If you'd like to support the show, you can donate money to my Patreon account or my Ko-fi account. Any donation amount helps me out in so many different ways. I really appreciate all of the support that people have already offered. If you have questions or topics that you'd like to hear on the show, you can send me a message at rtmullins.com. Well, ready or not, let's talk about some evil. Enjoy. All right, so starting soon, I'll be joining the faculty at two different universities. The first is Palm Beach Atlantic University, and the second is the University of Lucerne. So the University of Lucerne's master's program is almost entirely online. Like, if that works for you, then you should look into the program. But I know that not everyone wants to do a course entirely online. If you're like me, you need to be there in person. You really need to get in on the action, have some face-to-face dialogue with a bunch of other philosophers and theologians. So if that's more your style, you should check out the Masters in Philosophy of Religion at Palm Beach Atlantic. So Palm Beach offers regular in-person classes, but they also have like a mix of online and distance education options. So what I'll be doing for them are these week-long intensive courses. So coming this January, I'll do my first uh, intensive master's course. I'm going to be taking us on a wild ride through God, time, and creation. We're going to be looking at different models of God, providence, life after death, and some sweet, sweet philosophy of time. If you're interested in the master's program at Palm Beach Atlantic, or even just auditing this intensive course with me, you need to talk to Paul Gould. He's going to be able to give you all of the details. And then I'll also give you a teaser of the course in the future. Now, if you're at some other university or seminary, and you want me to come teach an intensive course for your institution, you know, you're trying to use me to attract a bunch of students to your program, I understand, I understand. Talk to my agent. Have your people contact my people, and we will do lunch. All right, now for today's episode, I want to give you a teaser for my Lucerne course on God, Freedom, and Evil. Now, Ryan Shields and Anthony Rowden, they were teasing me on Facebook about this course. They said that I would just be playing Zayo's album, The Funeral of God, in the background during all of my lectures. I mean, guys, come on, don't be silly. I am not young and immature like you guys are. I'm far too old to be doing something like that. You see, I'm pushing 39. I'm going to be playing some older Zeo tracks. I'm talking stuff from, like, Where Blood and Fire Bring Rest. That's what I'll be playing in the background during my lectures at the University of Lucerne. The funeral of God. Come on, son. Grow up. Okay, okay, enough of that. Okay, so there is a question that has been on my mind for quite some time. And here's the question. Why are we living in a world like this? I mean, out of all of the possible universes that could exist, we somehow find ourselves with this one. And I want to know why. When we live in a universe with physical processes that run with a law-like regularity, there's a clear cause and effect. I mean, there is some randomness and there's some mere correlation in our universe, but there are causes with consequences. So why a universe like that? The initial moments after the Big Bang, they could have developed in any number of ways, And for whatever reason, it proceeded as it did. The universe expanded in such a way that made biological life possible. We live in a world with all sorts of biological organisms. 
the evolutionary process, I mean, it could have gone in any number of ways. It could have produced any number of creatures. And yet the universe contains certain biological organisms that we call humans. So again, I have to ask, why? And humans, they're, they're interesting animals. They have a degree of rationality and autonomy that seems to outstrip the rest of the biological world. Humans are capable of complex emotional states, deep self-awareness, and goal-oriented actions. We seem to have this great power that we call free will. But why? Humans are the glory and the garbage of the universe. Let me explain what I mean by that, and I'll start with the glory. So humans, they are meaning-making creatures. I mean, they're curious by nature, constantly trying to make sense of everything. Humans are capable of developing deep, loving friendships built on empathy and compassion. They can freely engage in altruistic behavior, create works of art, and investigate the mysteries of the universe. Humans can cultivate a field, a virtuous character, and a community. In other words, humans are able to use their great gift of free will to pursue truth, beauty, and goodness. And these are glorious things. But remember, I also said that humans are the garbage of the universe. We live in a universe where there are significant consequences to our actions. We are able to harm others through actions based on ignorance and negligence. We can also harm others through deliberately willed malice and destruction. I mean, humans are subject to temptation and weakness of will. Our rational self-interest can often turn into selfishness and greed. Humans can cultivate a killing field, a vicious character, and communities built on hatred. In other words, humans are able to use their gift of free will to pursue falsehoods, ugliness, and wickedness. This is why I want to say humans are the glory and the garbage of the universe. So this is the kind of world that we find ourselves in. So I must ask my question again. Why are we living in a world like this? Out of all the possible universes and all of the possible creatures that could exist, why a universe like this? And this is where the question of God comes into the story. Philosophers and theologians, they've long argued that God is the explanation for why there is a universe in the first place. But there are dissenting opinions here. Some might concede that God is a natural explanation for why there's something rather than nothing. However, they might also argue that God could not produce a universe like the one we find ourselves in. They argue that there's some sort of contradiction between the nature of God and the nature of our universe. I mean, God is perfectly good, and our universe, well, our universe has far too much evil in it. Perhaps God could not possibly produce a universe like the one we find ourselves in. Maybe it is logically impossible for God and evil to coexist. And if that's right, the existence of evil that we see around us in this world, that would give us reason to think that God does not exist. And that's an interesting suggestion, and that's one that we're going to be looking at extensively in my class at the University of Lucerne on God, Freedom, and Evil. And so here's how we're going to proceed. First, we need to investigate the different models of God that are on offer across the world's religions. In particular, we're going to be looking at classical theism, neoclassical theism, open theism, and panentheism. Each model of God is going to have different things to say about a series of questions that we need to address. And here are two really big questions that we need to look at. Why would God create anything at all? And then why would God create this particular universe? 
Answering these two questions will shed light on whether or not it is logically possible for God to create a universe with evil in it. I mean, if it is possible, answers to these questions will also help us figure out if we can expect God to create a universe with evil in it. And that gives you a glimpse of what we will be up to in this master's course. So let me give you some examples so you can kind of get a better idea of what we're going to be exploring together. So in the Middle Ages, there's this Islamic philosopher named Al-Razi. And so Al-Razi said that there were five necessarily existent substances. These are God, the world's soul, time, space, and prime matter. Now Al-Razi says that God is perfectly rational and thus always acts for a reason. So prior to the creation of the universe, God was presented with a constant succession of moments at which he could create. And since any of these moments is just as good as any other to create a universe, there's no reason to create the universe at any particular moment. Al-Razi concludes that a perfectly rational God cannot create the universe since God could not have a reason to choose when to create. So why does God create anything at all? Al-Razi's answer is that God does not create anything at all. Of course, you're probably wondering how we got this universe. Well, Al-Razi says, remember that world soul I told you about? That other necessarily existent being? Well, the world soul is a foolish and ignorant being that is capable of making arbitrary actions. The world soul just arbitrarily decided to create the universe at some random moment, and this world soul didn't really know what it was doing, didn't know what it was getting into. Now, according to Al-Razi, God foreknew that this was going to happen. So God had planned on cleaning up the mess that was made by the world soul. We currently find ourselves in the midst of this mess. Now, you might be thinking that sounds like, I mean, that just sounds really crazy. Uh, But Al-Razi's got a question he's going to ask you if you think this sounds crazy. He's going to say, does our universe really look like the product of a perfectly rational God? I mean, just wouldn't it make more sense if our universe was the product of a foolish soul? Uh, you know, that's, a, that's, an, that's an interesting suggestion, but there are other suggestions worth considering. So Leibniz, I mean, he famously argued that a perfectly rational God would only be able to create the best of all possible universes. God's perfect goodness and rationality, they compel God to do the best, and there is only one universe that is best. Sure, there's some, you know, bits and pieces in our universe uh, that are just, you know, kind of evil and gross but they form an organic unity with the universe as a whole, thus contributing to the overall greatness of our universe. And so for Leibniz, God is justified in creating a universe with evil in it because this is the best of all possible worlds. Well, not everyone is happy with this. I mean, some philosophers, they argue that there is no such thing as the best possible universe. So saying that we are living in the best of all worlds That just cannot be a justification for God creating a universe with evil in it. But the idea of a best possible world, it's made a pretty big comeback in recent years. There are some contemporary philosophers like Class Cray and Hud Hudson who argue that the best possible world is a multiverse that contains all of the possible kinds of goods imaginable. And God is justified in creating a multiverse that contains evil because that evil well, it's significantly outweighed by all of the other good things that God has produced. Well, there might be some problems here. I mean, to start, various people complain that a multiverse, just just by itself, it does not really help explain why God creates a universe with evil in it. 
I mean, if the idea is that the goods spread out across the multiverse outweigh the evils, that still might strike you as a very poor theodicy. So, for example, Marilyn Adams, I mean, she argues that God cannot simply outweigh evils. Instead, God has to defeat evils. God must guarantee that each of us has a life on the whole that is worth living. I mean, if your life is as a whole, like, miserable, well, then some unrelated goods in a different universe, they don't seem to justify God in creating a world like this. At least that's how Adam sees it. Here is another potential problem for these best possible world theodicies. If God has to create the best, is God really free? Most theists worry that if God has to create the best, then God does not have free will. And that is a problem because free will is a standard divine attribute. But then a panentheist like Thomas J. Ord might say, yeah, there's no problem here. For Ord, God's nature is essentially loving. Ord thinks that perfect love must create a universe of some sort. And so on this panentheistic view, God has to create something. Further, God's love is uncontrolling, which means that God must give creatures free will, and God cannot override their freedom. All creatures, great and small, cannot be coerced by God in any way. So God cannot single-handedly stop evil. At most, God can only try to persuade creatures to do the right thing, and try to persuade creatures to cooperate with God. So that explains why God must create in general, and it seems to partially explain why we're living in a world like this with evil and suffering. But of course, again, not everybody is happy with this. I mean, most people think that God's freedom entails that God does not have to create anything at all, nor that God has to create any particular universe. Further, they think that God's uncontrolling love is not really enough to explain why there's evil in the world. They'll say something seems off, or perhaps just non-rational, about a God that is just metaphysically compelled to create all sorts of stuff that does bad things, and then God just can't do anything about it. That seems like a very weird and unfortunate world. Some might argue that this is a very tragic world. So here is another kind of theodicy to consider. One might say that God freely decides to create a universe so that creatures can enter into genuine friendship with God. Well, I mean, that's going to give God a reason to create. Now we have to ask what kind of universe would God need to create in order to make this friendship possible? So John Hick and Richard Swinburne, they give some interesting answers in this regard. God cannot enter into genuine friendship with just any kind of being. God will need to create beings that have a certain degree of consciousness, freedom, and rationality that can enter into friendship. Also, these creatures will need to have a particular moral character. I mean, after all, no one wants to be friends with garbage people. Well, you, you, know, you want to be friends with good people. And, and so God's the same. God wants to have creatures that are good people that he can be friends with. How is God going to pull that off? Well, people like Hick and Swinburne, they say that God needs to create a particular kind of universe where creatures can perform free actions to cultivate a good moral character. That will be a universe with uniform laws of nature, so that creatures can perform actions with predictable outcomes. It also needs to be a universe with serious moral consequences for actions. Otherwise, the creatures cannot develop various virtue character traits, like compassion, intelligence, bravery, and so on. And as Hick and Swinburne see things, we should expect God to create a universe like the one we find ourselves in. Because this is the kind of universe needed in order to build souls into the kind of people that can be friends with God. And now, again, of course, not everyone's going to be happy with that. 
people like Graham Oppie and Evan Fails, they think that if God exists, God would have to create better creatures from the start. They don't think that God would create a universe like this one. Instead, they think that a perfect God would create perfect creatures from the start. Since the creatures in our universe, I mean, they are far from perfect. Well, that's good reason to think that there is no God who created this universe. Personally, I struggle to make sense of this claim. It seems to me that Oppian fails are expecting God to do something that is metaphysically impossible. Here's why I think that. So Oppie seems to be arguing that God would freely create beings ex nihilo with all of their perfections or great-making properties just from the start. And I don't, I don't think that's metaphysically possible. Here's why. If God freely creates something ex nihilo, that being will begin to exist. Thus, that being will lack the perfection of eternality. And since God freely created this being, it will also lack the perfections of necessary existence, aseity, and self-sufficiency. I've barely begun my analysis, and I've already identified four perfections that no created being can have. So I have four reasons for thinking that Oppie is asking God to do something that is metaphysically impossible. Well, but Evan fails, though. He seems to be making a weaker claim. He says that God cannot create beings with all of the perfections or great-making properties, because any being that's caused to exist, it's, it's going to lack aseity. So, Fails thinks that God can create beings with all of those other great-making properties, just minus aseity. Well, I've already identified three other perfections that God cannot pass along to creatures. And maybe, maybe Evan, maybe he'll concede that too. My guess is that what Evan Fails really wants to say is that God would create beings with omnipotence, omniscience, perfect moral goodness, perfect rationality, and perfect freedom. Those are the kind of beings that we should expect God to create from the start. We don't see those kind of beings in this universe, so there probably is no God who created this universe. Well, I, I don't think that God could create beings with those attributes from the start either. In fact, it seems impossible for God to create an omnipotent being. I mean, anything that God creates will have its power dependent upon the will of God. You're not all powerful if God could just let you slip out of existence or take away your power. Further, it seems impossible for God to create beings with a perfect moral character and give them genuine freedom. If God creates beings with a fully determined moral character, then they are determined by something external to only perform good actions. Various philosophers claim that that's just going to rule out free will. So I've just ruled out a few more perfections that God cannot pass along to creatures from the start. Now look, there's a lot more that I could say, and there's a lot more that I will be saying, in this class on God, freedom, and evil. All I'm doing in this episode is just giving you a little glimpse of what we're going to be exploring together in my class at the University of Lucerne. And there you have it, another episode of the Reluctant Theologian Podcast. Stay tuned for episodes on God, emotions, mental health, and so much more.